Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, here. We're, we're talking today about the pharmaceutical apocalypse. Now, um, if you look at what's been going on the last couple of years, if you're saying, oh, it's the COVID, oh, it's the COVID, or is it the government response to certain um, mechanisms happening around the world? So basically, do you want control of your own world? Do you want control of your own body, your own health? Or do you want the government to do it? Now, just take a look. Okay, we've got an entire government and world that um, printed money like it was just made on paper. Okay, and the more dollars you print, the less it's worth. And now they're surprised that the dollar is worth less. It's not that houses have gone up or, or, or products have gone up. It's the dollar is worth less. So do you want them in charge of your health? Well, we're going to have the, the censored portion too and because there is a massive censorship going on. Um, so I encourage you to support the Dr. B VIP. It's $2.97 a month, $2.97 a month, or 29 bucks a year. And you get access to all the PowerPoints, the handouts, the everything. And also, the last Thursday of every month, um, we do a 90-minute class, 60 minutes on lecture, on anatomy, physiology, corrective techniques. Um, last, last month, it was on brain function. This one coming up is going to be on disease reversal. Um, and we're also, because YouTube is wiping us out, um, well, we've got strikes and they've wiped out around 90 of our videos. We're on the Rumble and we're on Odyssey and BitChute. And also to Extreme Health Academy. If you haven't been on there, I know you still get two weeks for free by typing in my name. Um, it's, it's only 19 bucks a month. But you will be amazed at the amount of information in there. And I'm always on there just about uh, at least once a month, but <laughs> we're answering questions all the time. Now let's look at, at the top leading causes of death and disease in, in our world. Now this is off of revealingfraud.com, and they're using statistics from 2019. The top 10 leading causes of death, number one, miscarriages, about 2 million per year. And this was before um, the intervention. So we're going to see a rise in miscarriages. Deaths induced inadvertently by a physician or surgeon, about 783,000 a year. Abortion, 600,000 a year. Heart disease, 600,000. Cancers, near 600,000. Deaths associated with preventable harm um, to patients. Okay, and this is crazy because they're avoidable deaths, 400,000. Sepsis, about 300,000. That's blood infections. Respiratory diseases, accidents, stroke, those are all around 130 to 140,000 each. So there's, a, and you're going to notice that there's no viruses, there's no um, anything else in the top 10. That's because the, the body is, is designed to live here. Now, non-communicable diseases are killing 80% of our population. Now, this is cardiovascular disease, heart disease, cancer, COPD, and mental disorders. But look at the rise of these. And I'm talking, look at Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, autism, 
depression, fibromyalgia, bronchitis, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. None of these diseases you catch. You have to earn them. They're non-communicable. So the causes of these are toxic food, lack of activity, toxic medical care, and, and toxic lifestyles. So you have to earn this. Now, we currently, and this is according to the American uh, Academy, uh, Academy of Pediatrics, and this is 2011, we now have the first generation of children who will not outlive their parents. Yes, so this is a generational issue. Um, you're talking 54% of American kids have a chronic illness or disease. Um, one in five, 20% have a severe mental disorder. Um, and so let's look at this. We've got a sick population, sick planet. What, what's normal? Now, Claude Bernard, and now this is a French physiologist um, from 1865, father, father of modern experimental physiology. And he quotes, quote, the ideal vision of medicine according to physiology deals with the science of norms. But even scientifically based medical approaches should not focus solely on normal values. Wow, isn't that interesting? So not coming up with norms. So that means that not everybody should have the same blood pressure. Not everybody should have the same um, uh, sleep patterns or digestion or diets or nutrients. And here's one at a, Peter Sterling at a Cambridge University. And this is principles of allostasis, um, optimal design, predictive regulation. So this is how the body works. Quote, in medicine, major diseases now rise in prevalence, such as essential hypertension, type 2 diabetes, whose cause the homeostatic model cannot explain. Um, and treating these diseases with drugs to fix low-level mechanisms that are not broken turns out to not work particularly well. <laughs> that means that people get drugged and die. Okay, there's a very, very cool article, and this is off of CurrentHealthScenario.com, and it's by Janganath uh, Chattery, and he is an, an Indian naturopath. It's just, I love the way he writes. Here, listen to this, quote, We observe a world of full of suffering populations. Disease has engulfed society. Chronic diseases have reached a peak. People suffer from not one, but multiple illnesses. Even small children are not spared. The joy of life, once the birthright of beings, has been replaced by the pain of having to carry a burden of a misfunctioning body and mind. Is it our face to suffer? Why are we carrying so much of the suffering? What, what can we do to emerge from this nightmare? And, and listen to this, okay? Modern medicines have become just chemistry for every problem. You're taking some medicine, a chemical, and come to some kind of a balance. If you use one chemical to bring down one aspect or enhance another, there's also a side effect or effects for this. The side effect, uh, there is an antidote. For the antidote, there's another antidote. It's an endless chain. Now, you might be wondering, how did chemicals become the only treatment option? Well, the present system of medicine is a product of the Rockefellers, an oil baron who took over medicine um, to promote oil and petroleum-based products. Now, as a result of this system, 
was completely redesigned without any regard for the impact on physical and mental health of the populations. Now, doctors and science who protested this takeover were sidelined. The institutes that refused to comply were shut down. I mean, figure way back, okay, in the early 1900s and late 1800s, holistic systems had flourished um, to a form of integrative medicine. In those times, they were dubbed quackery, and practitioners in institutions were driven out by 1910. This is when Rockefeller took over. And and so this, the system knew that there, if you're going to treat with a chemical, that the only way that that system could thrive is to eliminate any competition. Um, now, <clears throat> the modern medicine, it's on reductionist medicine. This is, well, we're, here's again out of the currenthealthscenario.com. Quote, critics have pointed out that modern medicine our modern medical approach is faulty. It treats human bodies as an assembled machine and divides the body into units. MDs are taught to specialize medicine based on the body part approach. They know only about the body part. They're taught about and not told about all dimensions that result in a particular body part becoming dysfunctional. They know more and more of less and less. This is a serious fallacy. The body is a dynamic biologic entity with complex interactions and diseases can only be addressed when the holistic function is studied. I mean, think of it. Does the dermatologist, the skin expert, realize that um, psoriasis and eczema come from low stomach acid? Um, do, does the dermatologist talk to the gastroenterologist um, who identified low stomach acid? Uh, is anyone talking to the neurologist who knows that this person is in a sympathetic dominant state, which decreases stomach acid, which causes an elevation in psoriasis and eczema? No, this is insane. It, but this is not just brand new to us. Um, the figure bloodletting was practiced until about 1900, and it's literally what killed George Washington. This is get the bad blood out, okay? The germ theory, now this is back when they were first discovering um, microscopes. Leeuwenhoek in 1670 saw these animacules. Now they felt that, that this theory that bacteria and germs are causing disease, they called the germ theory was adopted around 1920, except now we know that germs don't cause disease, that they're the end result of a disease process. And even in 1846, Dr. Semmelweis felt that doctors should wash their hands before they work on a patient, and he was labeled insane. Um, currently, the right drug at the right time in the right dosage kills about 130,000 people a year. And that's right, nobody goes to bed uh, or goes to jail. Now here, the Journal of Law and Medical Ethics, and this is the title of the article, Institutional Corruption of Pharmaceuticals and the Myth of Safe and Effective Drugs. Because what do you constantly hear? Safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. Really, for how many, how long, what are the studies? 
Um, quote, over the past 35 years, patients have suffered from a largely hidden epidemic of side effects from drugs that usually have few offsetting benefits. The pharmaceutical industry has corrupted the practice of medicine through its influence over what drugs are developed and how they are tested and how medical knowledge is created. Now, <clears throat> when we look at this, why are we just sick as a species? I mean, infant mortality um, is increasing and lifespan is plunged. Now, the, the acute diseases, and this is the common cold, um, it, it's literally how the body heals itself. Now, these take form of fevers, colds, coughs, diarrhea, vomiting, inflammation, skin issues. They're all about elimination. This elimination indicates a removal of waste and toxins. The body takes up these activities triggered by temperature and weather variations. So literally, a body is always in a renewing process. And a lot of acute diseases, this is why the childhood diseases, when you were growing up, and I'm talking chickenpox, measles, mumps, okay, all of these childhood diseases, flus, colds, this is a body educating the immune system, educating all the systems of the body on how to react to the environment. <clears throat> I figure pathogens, and I'm talking everything, bacteria, parasites, funguses, viruses, these are the tools to break up toxins and consume and eliminate waste products. They're not the cause of disease. They're the firefighters. They're not the cause. And, and that's huge. So when you look at your body's processes, you're going to develop a fever. Why? Because for every one degree increase in temperature, the speed of the immune system doubles. You're going to develop sweating and detox and diarrhea. Why diarrhea? Well, it means your body's alkalinizing. And modern medicine is to give a chemical to alter those, those um, immune system responses or natural body processes to eliminate the toxins. And what are they saying about the current, um, the, what are the COVID idiots saying? They're saying, oh my gosh, to die of COVID, you need 3.8 comorbid conditions. Wait, so does that mean that, that viruses, funguses, and bacteria actually have a job? that they only attack dead tissue or sick tissue or sick people? Absolutely. When we look at epigenetics, control above the genes, we know cholesterol-lowering drugs, antidepressant, beta blockers, um, diuretics, um, blood pressure medications, all of these change your genetic expression. And what does that mean? Does that mean heart disease, cancer, mental disorders, diabetes, leukemia, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia? All of these um, could be coming from the chemicals that you are taking in your body in the form of medication. Um, here's a study out of Archives of Internal Medicine, 2001. Um, antihistamines such as Benadryl, Sominex, 70% increase in delirium, 300% increase in an inattentive, um, altered consciousness, 300% increase, disorganized speech. Here's a quote um, from Maltz Bozzini, MD. Uh, now, quote, simply put, we have confirmed that thing is seemingly as benign as a medication for an inability to get a good night's sleep for motion sickness um, can worsen or cause cognitive impairment. 
specifically mild or long-term mild cognitive impairment, which involves gradual memory loss. So if you're taking the Excedrin PM or the Tylenol PM or the Nitol or Sominix or Benadryl, all of these things lead to altered brain function. Okay, but what about calcium channel blockers? Okay, here's the American Journal of Cardiology. Quote, previous work suggests that the calcium channel blockers could increase heart failure. Um, yeah, that's right. The drug they give you to lower your blood pressure can increase heart failure. The chemical they give you to lower cholesterol drugs, according to the expert review in clinical pharmacology, stimulate hardening of the arteries and heart failure. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, according to the Archives of Internal Medicine, and this is Advil, Motrin, Aleve, tenfold increased risk of congestive heart failure if you're taking the prescribed dose, not overdosing. Um, what about glucose-lowering drugs? From the British Medical Journal, they state that if you're taking a drug, and remember, we're talking type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is a blood poisoning. So if you take a chemical to lower your blood glucose, blood glucose goes down, okay? But insulin remains high because you're not fixing the actual problem. So 9% reduction in glucose increases all-cause mortality or death 19%. It's crazy. Let's say you have reflux. Now, in, in a normal health clinic, and I'm not talking one that's run by by uh, medication PEZ dispensers. Um, you know, I'm talking a clinic that if you come in and you have reflux, it's the problem. We tell you to not drink water before, during, or, or after meals. You want to increase the acidity. We look at the nerve supply to the diaphragm, and we look at diaphragmatic breathing in the healthy organ tissues. I mean, because if you're taking a proton pump inhibitor, according to the British Journal of Cancer, it increases adenocarcinomas. It increases the drug they give you to reduce your stomach acid, to stop that reflux, actually increases cancers in the throat. <clears throat> now, Medscape, um, before this insanity and takeover, and I'm talking way back to, you know, 2018, 19. There were some good articles on it. And Eric Topol, um, MD, I think he actually is the um, uh, the, uh, the editor of it or was the editor of it. I mean, just a brilliant guy. Um, and here's the title of the article, Time to Shake the Sodium Guidelines. Because uh, you, you've all heard that, oh, my God, you've got to reduce your sodium. Well, the American Heart Association says it's 1.5, um, okay, grams of sodium um, that, that you should have. However, if you have three times that amount, okay, or 4.5 to 5, so you're looking at three to four, five, there's actually less disease rates. Turns out you need sodium. The American Heart Association isn't backing off their 1.5 grams per deciliter sodium guidelines. But I think there's a big lesson about guidelines here without adequate evidence. They can do harm. Hopefully this lesson will prove to be impactful because it, that certainly has not been the case to date. As in cholesterol-lowering drugs, blood pressure, PSA or prostate-specific antigen, mammography, 
and a very long list of poorly conceived non-anchored guidelines. Isn't that shocking? Didn't you think that medical care was like based in science and that this was, that it wasn't just corruption of our education system and a takeover or a, a regulatory capture where the industry is actually taking over the education? Well, here's a study out of um, Harvard Medical School and the New England Journal of Medicine. They're saying the annual physical is outdated. That's right, and this was from 2015. Why? They give a few um, results here. One, it can result in a battery of unnecessary tests. It's ineffective in preventing disease. It's unnecessary processes and exams. Physicals make sense in theory, but it hasn't borne out in reality. Isn't that something? So, you know, if you go, and the article goes on to state, there's an inverse relationship between money spent on healthcare and wellness in the U.S. The more money you spend, the sicker you become. And Alan Garol, who's a professor at Harvard Medical School, said in favor of the annual physical, he argues the way that doctors are paid. Replacing the traditional fee for service with a payment schedule that takes into patient outcomes. Okay, I hope you're sitting down when I said that. Let me let me repeat that. <clears throat> Currently, doctors are paid for um, fee for service. So they do a service, they do an exam, they prescribe something for you, they get paid for it. Um, and he wants to change that to where patient outcomes are taken into effect. That means if you give somebody a, a diuretic or beta blocker, lower blood pressure, take that dutifully because you're a doctor and they're going to listen to you, and they take that drug for, oh, I don't know, five, ten years, and of course their patient's told it's the lowest dose, but then it damages the kidneys. And damaging the kidneys, now their kidneys aren't working well, so they have to get on dialysis. Um, did you help them? by giving them a drug that damages the kidneys, that lowers blood oxygen without addressing the sympathetic or the, the actual cause that the body is having, either toxicity in the blood or physical stress? No, you've got to address the physical, chemical, and emotional stress. This is changing the world. Your body responds correctly based on the environment. You live your life through your nervous system. If you have any one of these stressors, you're going to develop a stress response that's intelligent. What we have, we have a chemical-based system that is looking at elevations in heart rate, blood pressure, blood sugar, cholesterol, stress hormones. And instead of addressing the physical, chemical, or emotional stress, they're drugging the symptoms. So we've got to change the world. This means inflammatory bowel syndrome. Is that a disease or an adaptation to stress? Fibromyalgia. Is that a disease or an adaptation to stress? So we literally have to review everything in there. Is breast cancer a disease or an adaptation to stress? Knowing that 85% of breast cancers are on the left, which is lymph drainage for the gut, 15% are on the right, which is lymph drainage for the pulmonary and dental area. Uh, what about multiple sclerosis? Is that demyelination of the nerves, or is it 90% of it remitting and relapsing? So we've got to change this. I mean, for example, here's cancer. In the early 1900s, you had 5 out of 100 people get it. Now you have 50 out of 100. 
now it's a $100 billion a year industry. And since if you look at Pink Ribbons, Inc., I encourage you to watch that movie. It'll blow your mind. I think it's been deleted off of YouTube, but so has a lot. You're looking at a 90% increase okay, in the last four decades. Now, if you look at Journal of Natural Science and Biology of Medicine, 2011, quote, this is the title of the article, Immunity Over Inability, the Spontaneous Regression of Cancer. Quote, spontaneous healing of cancer is a phenomenon that's been observed for hundreds of thousands of years, and having been on the subject of many controversies, is now accepted as an indisputable fact. The word spontaneous means without any apparent cause, and regression is defined as a decrease in the size of the tumor or the extent of cancer in the body, according to the um, National Cancer Institute. Spontaneous regression occurs in most types of cancers and was recorded in the medical literature as early as 1742. The partial or complete disappearance of a malignant tumor in the absence of treatment or in the presence of therapy is considered inadequate to exert significant influence on the disease. Um, okay, listen to this. Spontaneous regression of cancer is not rare. Occurrences are thought to be, um, quote, in an average month in 2002, medical journals published more than four articles on the subject. Um, Politics of Cancer by Dr. Robert Atkins. Quote, there is not one but many cures for cancer. They're all being systematically suppressed by the American Cancer Society and the National Cancer Institute and the major oncology centers. They have too much interest in the status quo. Uh, Samuel Epstein, quote, we are not dealing with a scientific problem. We're dealing with a political issue. And we're going to go through, like pancreatic cancer, you're looking that, that within five years, nearly 100% of people die. You're looking at over 80% of the population. And the therapies range horribly. However, when you look at this, turmeric, curcumin, um, a fat-free diet or a low-fat, healthy diet with less animal fats helps a lot. And there's certain cancer therapies that work really, really well. Um, I encourage you to look at Dr. David Brownstein. Iodine is vital to protect against breast cancer. So how come doctors aren't promoting healthy lifestyles, diet? Now, think of this. We have a chemically-based medical system. Um, if you are taking multiple prescriptions now, multiple prescriptions, and you were left, me and you were left on a deserted island, you only have fresh fruit, fresh fish, fresh vegetables to eat. You have no access to pharmaceuticals. Does your health improve or decline? By gosh, it improves. Everybody says it improves. So your body is not designed to metabolize chemicals to alter your physiology to bring you to health. It doesn't make sense. If you take somebody that's in a stress state and you give them a toxic chemical to alter their physiology, you're not going to help them. So what's health? Let's look at this totally different. Health is the natural state of the body. And the power that made the body heals the body. You are more energy than matter. This is super important that you get this. So what are you going to do? 
One, I want you to change your perception of what health is. Health isn't lack of symptoms. Okay, if you get up in the morning and you're sore, that means we've got to get you to sleep better. We've got to get your blood healthy. Um, if you're not having two to three healthy bowel movements a day, then we have to get your body working correctly. So change your perception of what health is. Number one, keep your mind healthy. Now, we just read a couple of studies that if you're taking a drug to knock you out, okay, you're going to end up with brain damage. So look at movement as a stimulus to the brain. And build cells faster than they break down. You know what that's called? Health. So the more you're able to get your cells healthy, strong, dynamic, that's odd when I say that the five things that, that are essential to regenerate your body. Number one, nerve supply. This controls and coordinates every function of the body. Number two, exercise. Number three, proper nutrition. Four, sufficient rest. And five, prayer and meditation. Nothing on here is take the right chemical to alter your physiology. We're in the most ignorant time the planet's ever been. Why? Because you go to the most respected hospital, medical doctor. Um, it, it, we got a plethora of hospitals. We spend more money on health care than ever. But what are these hospitals doing? They're giving you a chemical to alter your physiology without, without looking towards the outcome. So you take an antidepressant that causes suicide, suicidal thoughts. We've got a population with 50% cancer rates. We've got a, a younger generation that will not outlive their older. We only can take this back by taking it back. I mean living closer to nature, living close to your design parameters. Eat what God Okay, eat like your great-grandparents. Sleep deep every night. Love your family. Love your friends. And look at, I mean, literally prayer, meditation, exercise daily. And let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. You're going to get, live long and healthy. You're designed to live to 120. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.